Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of a Trophy Life podcast. I'm your host, Bob Rathbun, coming to you from Atlanta. And we got a special guest for you this week. Dan Dockage will join us. We'll talk about all things college sports coming up in just a moment. This week's A Trophy Life is brought to you by our good friends at Warner Ladders, the number one pro ladder, and our title sponsor, the Warner Ladder Naismith Coach of the Year Awards. A great time always. So much time at home these days. Home improvement. Got to have a good ladder, right? Check them out at warnerco.com. A couple of news and notes before we get going with Dan. Uh, congratulations, first and foremost, to the great Sylvia Fowles, the great Olympian. She became, on Tuesday night, the WNBA's all-time leading rebounder. And she did so in a game that was part of the WNBA start up in Bradenton, Florida, at the IMG Academy. It was a uh, Minnesota game against Seattle, and Sylvia passed her now coach, former Lynx great Rebecca Brunson, was in first place on the all-time list. Sylvia passed her in the game on Tuesday. Of course, an amazing player at LSU and a great pro. Congratulations to Sylvia Fowles. And the other piece of news that we wanted to share is about the August 3rd deadline for college basketball players. If they are going to stay in the NBA draft or return to school, they have to make that final decision by August 3rd. Now, we're going to talk with Dan about that in just a minute and get his take on it because that is coming up very soon, and it is going to tip the balance of power in college basketball depending on who stays in school or who decides to go to the NBA. So with that, let's move on to our interview this week. Many of you see him on ESPN as a college basketball analyst and studio host. He also does games on the Big Ten Network. Dan Dockich is a former Indianapolis player, uh, excuse me, an Indiana Hoosier player, lives now in Indianapolis and hosts his radio show there daily on 1070 The Fan from noon to three each day. It's a great listen if you haven't heard it before. But Dan was a great player in college. Now, that's not true. He was just a good player in college. But we had a lot of fun talking about his college playing days and uh, his great game against Michael Jordan. His thoughts on the pandemic as it applies to college football and basketball and a little, a little look ahead toward the new season, if and when that comes to pass. All coming up on this week's interview with Dan Dockage. Welcome back, everybody. A great thrill to catch up with Dan Dockage, who I just had the pleasure of working with on TBT on ESPN, a Naismith voting member, and all-around good dude. Double D, how are you, my boy? Oh, man, it's 80 degrees, the sun is shining, and I get to go talk about I'm not sure what on my sports talk show, so I'm doing good. What the heck? Good. (laughs) It's great catching up with you, buddy. Uh, First and foremost, how are you and Lee and everybody holding up through all this pandemic stuff? You know, like a lot of people, um, I consider it, you know, you never want to have a pandemic. Let me make that clear, obviously. I mean, we would much rather be doing our normal stuff. Uh, but I have kids that really would never have been home, you know, for as long. My son's at Ohio State on the coaching staff there, and, you know, they went home for about six weeks, so he just came here. My daughter uh, is a school teacher, and, you know, she was home. My stepdaughter would have been playing softball at Harvard. She was home. My stepson just graduated, so he was home. So we actually had a blast at home. Um, 
with we call it you know a little found money with the kids but you know you never obviously want to go through this it's horrible for the country but uh, we we've been fine good that is good to hear um we might dan have some young whippersnappers listening to this podcast today so i want to go back and give you your your due as the michael jordan stopper from the 1984 NCAA tournament. Take us back when Coach Knight said, Dan, go out there and shut him down. Well, I threw up. <laughs> Bob, I had been sick, and I wasn't, um, for young guys out there, this is a lifetime ago, but I wasn't one of those guys that was going to start no matter what. So I couldn't let anybody know during the course of the week I'd gotten the flu. And I, I went to practice, uh, class, and sleep. That that was it. And I just literally, I went back to my hotel room, Bob, and, and I threw up. And I make it out to be like I was scared of Michael Jordan and all that kind of stuff. But the truth of the matter is I threw up on the bench during the game, hit it from uh, Coach Knight so he wouldn't see. I threw up at, during – I filed out with a few minutes to go, um, and I threw up with a towel over my head in a bucket on the bench. But I don't know, man. It seems weird now, Bob, but Coach Knight had us had us so ready. He basically told us the Sunday before we played Carolina, they were number one in the team. Anybody doesn't think we're going to beat North Carolina's ass, get the blank out of this locker room right now, and that includes you managers and trainers and everybody else. And <laughs> It kind of set the tone. It did, and and uh, we we got lucky. You know, we hit some shots. They missed some shots, and we made some free throws in the end. But man, you know, it is amazing to me that so many years after people talk about it because I didn't realize I'd done anything until Billy Packer told me after the game that I shut Michael Jordan down, and I said, "Really? No kidding? What did I do? You know, I didn't even know." Yeah. Uh, hey, great story for the kids and the grandkids, no doubt about it. Right. You know, Dan, um, you coached a long time, uh, head man at, at Bowling Green, assistant coach, et cetera. Uh, and I just wanted to ask you, because we're in such an unusual time in college basketball um, with this pandemic, uh, it's just been a week or so that teams are even allowed to get back together to work out, uh, much less plan for a new season. As a former coach, what do you think your buddies are going through are they pulling their hair out? What What do you think's going on in the coach's mind to try to hold their programs together through all this? Well, there's a lot. And one of the things that I learned while my son was here and um, and, and is on the staff of Ohio State is, man, do they, do they meet uh, over Zoom? And they've had to adjust. They've had to adjust to Zoom meetings with their staff. They've had to adjust to Zoom meetings with recruits, which is totally new because, Bob, in the world of recruiting right now, um, it's high tech. I mean, when a kid comes on campus, this isn't just, hey, we're going to take you to dinner, show you the dorm, and, you know, goodbye. This is high tech stuff, and they've really had to adjust. And, and, and I'll say this um, one of the things that has been fascinating to me is indoctrinating kids back on campus. I know one, one program that had, now, this is a scary part for college basketball. They had. They had zero of their 15 kids test positive for COVID when they came back to campus in June. After being on campus and working out and living, you know, in and around the campus, even though school's not in or summer school is in, they had seven of the 15 test positive after being 
you know, around campus. So that's a little bit daunting for, for coaches. You know, you get them here, you test them. The best environment they can be in is at the gym. This is what all these coaches have told me. You know, we're, we have we're, – it's cleaner than any place else. It's a sterile environment. There's not a lot of people there, not a lot of people in the training room, not a lot of people in the weight room, not a lot of people on the court in the gym. Uh, but once they get away – that's the scary part, and that's the thing that most coaches have told me that, frankly, they don't have a handle on. They they understand how to recruit with Zoom. They understand how to have team meetings. They, you know, they get their players on the court, and they do it in um, limited fashion, two guys at a time, one guy on one end, one guy on the other end, social distancing, masks, and all that. But the issue is once they leave the facility, what – how are they going to be? You're asking 18 to 22 year old kids to do what on a college campus, stay inside all the time and on a college campus, not go out of college campus, bubble yourself in a room. That's the one area, Bob, that they, they, they tell me they just don't quite have a handle on and they're not sure how they're going to get a handle on. And of course their football brethren are having to look down the barrel at this right now. And I think that's that's the part that, you know, these conference commissioners, et cetera, they keep kicking the can down the road trying to buy time. But ultimately, somebody's got to make a decision. Bob, I, I think uh, I'm, I am a positive person. I really am. And I, I, I have a hard time. And I don't want to, you know, I hate putting this out there in the atmosphere, but I have a hard time figuring out how football is going to happen. I, I know, you know, I've heard ADs say, hey, look, we're going to have 15,000 people in the facility, in the in the stadium, or we're going to do this, and we're going to play that. And I'm like, that's great. Uh, but I do think this. I do think Major League Baseball, with what's going on right now with the uh, Miami Marlins, is kind of an interesting test. You never want to see people get sick, obviously. But they are sick. You knew in baseball – they were going to get sick, or at least they were going to have test positive. I shouldn't say sick, test positive for the coronavirus. That's why they put the 30-man extra roster on it. That's why they built their own little mini minor league system for just this thing. But now you've got – I think they thought in baseball it might be one or two guys here or there we could you know bring up, bring down, that kind of thing. Well, now you're talking about half the team, your coaches, your managers. What's baseball going to do? And I would bet you – I bet you anything that every other sport is watching this very closely. Uh, golf had some people test positive. Golf just kept right on going. Golf's a little bit, little bit of a different animal. You're not in a, in a team environment. You're not in clubhouses. You know, you're you, you're in locker rooms, but you don't. You're not in there all at the same time. So, I think all these sports, including college football, are going to say, "Okay, what's baseball going to do? How are they going to come out the other end of this and keep their season going?" If in fact they do keep their season going, I think I think the next week here with baseball is going to be fascinating for all sports. Dan, you and I had a chance to to watch something that was just the opposite, which was, of course, the containment idea, the bubble, if you will, with TBT. And I was thinking maybe we should make John Mugar the commissioner of baseball. <laughs> you know, and for those of you who aren't familiar with John, uh, it was his idea of seven years ago, he and Dan Friel to launch this idea of having a summertime basketball tournament. And it just completed a couple of weeks ago. This was the tournament where Travis Diener hit the big shot. The Marquette alums won it and won the $1 million winner take all first prize. But the point, Dan, I wanted to raise with you 
is about how TBT handled this because they decided if we're going to have this tournament, we're going to go inside a bubble and it's going to be as strict as any bubble is in this country or maybe even in the world to have a basketball tournament. And they pulled it off. They got everybody to buy in. I thought they did a remarkable job, and I know you do too. Bob is unbelievable. Now, let, here's the difference, though. You're talking about guys that aren't under contract, and these are big contracts. You're talking about guys that are playing for the love of the game, you know. And, and what, one of the things that John did that I thought was absolutely fantastic, and we don't see it enough in sports or in society, is kind of a no-nonsense policy. You know, Bob, you know this, but they put signs at every exit. If you leave this bubble, you are disqualified from the tournament, and we're on closed-circuit TV. And and that's what they said, and that's what they did. And that's that was no, uh, well, yeah, I call it the yeah buts. Yeah, but I, I had to go here. No, no, no. You leave, you're done. And I thought it was absolutely spectacular how they set up before the tournament, Bob, they they did all kind of testing of players and coaches, staff before the tournament, before you were even allowed into the bubble, and frankly, um, that probably saved the entire thing because they caught a number of people before they even got in, and then simply said, "Well, you know, there's a certain date. If you're not if you're not po- negative by that date, you're not coming in." Um, Impossible to do, I think, with football, I think. But here's the deal. Here's what I don't understand um, relative to that. The NBA probably is going to work unless guys are just complete knuckleheads and can't stay in the bubble or can't have any self-discipline. I don't understand why the NFL doesn't have a bubble for training camp. I'll give you an example. The Colts here in Indianapolis, they're training at their facility. They have a hotel which is optional for players to stay at. Some will, some won't. Some live here, uh, some don't. That kind of thing. But I don't understand. And neither did, I, I was talking to an NFL player, Darius Butler, uh, who was just retired, and, and I asked him the same question. He's like, you know, Dan, I have no idea, man. I, it seems like it would just, at least, you know, for a while, make this thing go. Um, baseball, you know, it seems a little hard because you're going city to city. But, but Mugar and, and Friel and the rest gave everybody a template. Basketball's doing it. I, I just don't know why football isn't doing it for their preseason, and, and I don't think you can do it for baseball because of the travel. Right. Yeah, it's interesting that in this time, now, you know, a month from now, two months from now, things may change. But right now, as we record this on July 29th, the only way, really, to do it is in a bubble. NBA, NHL, Major League Soccer, they have succeeded. If there's travel involved or, you know, we don't know exactly what's going to come off with football, uh, you, you're then taking on a, a great deal of risk. Say, to then separate out the pros and colleges, you know, the, the pro leagues, they got the money and they, they can do stuff like this. I'm with you. I can't imagine how college, there's 1,100 colleges uh, and no centralized, um, you know, office to regulate football, basketball, or anything else. They just, the NCAA just promotes the championships. So um, how they're going to pull this off, I'm with you. I, I just don't know. But 
it's proven that if you do get in the bubble and you and you as you say you know you're not a knucklehead you can do this yeah and here's the thing about college like basketball i i don't have all the answers even close but i would think this most colleges are shutting down uh the week of thanksgiving so my opinion if you wanted to create a bubble uh was start college basketball then test kids up to then 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 move kids over uh thanksgiving into a hotel and create your own mini bubble um Mm -hmm. one of the things that colleges can do and this is a thing that has been going on you know for probably five seven years maybe less maybe more i don't know but online classes you know a lot of kids anyway take online classes they're not on campus and so that creates your own kind of bubble there are going to be kids that are you know doing that whether they're on campus or off campus so online classes allow for a certain type of bubble in colleges and as i said i I think the safest place for players is going to be you know at the facility it's going to be at the football uh facility it's going to be at the basketball facility because of the precautions that are taken there but again you know if you're going to say okay you know my sport is basketball i'm on a college campus we don't start till thanksgiving it's friday night practice is over and i'm going to go to you know, in Bloomington, Nick's English Hut, where, you know, there's all kind of people there. I'm going to go do that. Well, it's not going to work. I mean, somebody's going to get it, and you're going to have a problem. So there's going to have to be uh, a little bit of, a lot of discipline, actually, uh, for this. I'll, I'll tell you what, Coach Knight, man, Coach Knight, when I played at Indiana and when I coached at Indiana, I was there 16 years. We had a rule. It was no bars during the season, Okay. And people don't believe that the rule was actually enforced. But I'm telling you, as a player, we were scared to death. We thought Coach Knight had, had like, x-ray vision all over the city. <laughs> so Coach Knight, you know, his, his old-school mentality uh, is back in vogue. Eight players, no bars during the school year till the season's over. You know, and, 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 you know, put that in effect, educate kids, tell them what's the story. I mean – but still, you know, you saw it with Lou Williams and a couple others in the NBA. You're going to have people just be people. I mean, people go make mistakes with it. Bob, I don't know. I'm just talking because I don't really know how, how football can go. But I hope it does. I like it. I mean, I, I every Saturday, my big fat, you know what, is sitting on a couch watching three or four games till about two in the morning. So, But I don't see how it can. Speaking of talking, you're on your way to your radio show which airs daily in Indianapolis on 1070 The Fan, and it is a must-listen, no question. And you're in a basketball hotbed, of course, uh, in Indianapolis. What in the world persuaded you to get into that side? We all know about your color commentary and studio work on ESPN, but what made you make the plunge into sports talk radio? You know, I I don't know how you were, but as I was growing up, I was a big radio fan. Jim Durham, the announcer for the Bulls, uh, was kind of our hero, man. We loved yes. Jim Durham. And Bob Love, I always wanted to be Bob Love or Billy Williams. Bob Love was a forward for the Bulls. He's my all-time idol. I wore number 10. Uh, Billy Williams, sweet swing, and Billy was a left fielder for the Cubs. And I wanted to play left field for the Cubs or shortstop. But during that whole time, I loved radio. I loved uh, Jim Durham. I love WLS, which is a big station in Chicago. I turn my radio on uh, and just shoot baskets by myself for hours in my driveway, and I always loved it. 
my dream job is to be press secretary to the president of the United States. I, I don't Republican or Democrat. I don't care. You know, it doesn't matter. That's my dream job. Uh, but I always loved this kind of thing. So when I when they hired Tom Crean, uh and I was the interim head coach, I, I called a friend who was running the big station here in Indy, and uh, he always told me, like, look, do you ever want to get a media? He used to watch my coach show, and we did some wacky things on that. I called them. Basically, they said, look, we're starting a local show. Um, we'll give you a run. We'll give you a tryout. And they gave me the job, and I've been doing it for 12 years, and I, I, I absolutely love it. It, uh, I've had chances to go back into coaching, um, but uh, really, I, I, I like the life. I like, you know, I got to see my kids through high school, coach my son. Uh, AAU, go to every one of my daughter's dance recitals, and, and, and I, I loved it, Bob. I just absolutely love it. Well, you know, if you think that uh, the press conferences at the White House are out of control these days, I can't imagine with you at the helm what they would be like. My whole – this is really weird. Like when I didn't get the head coaching job at Indiana, they said, oh, you lost your dream job. I said, no. There was a time between Marlon Fishwater, Ari Fleischer, I mean, Christy Myers. I could name every freaking press secretary. I always wanted to tell that Helen Thomas in the front row to go to hell. I always wanted to do that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. I mean, people say, you know, that doesn't mean it, it could have been Trump, Obama, Bush's, uh, Carter. I don't care. I just, in fact, I had a, I had a shadow day set up. Um, the Speaker of the House of Ohio was a friend of mine from Bowling Green, and he had me set up to go to the White House and kind of shadow the press secretary one day. And then it, I don't know what happened. It didn't work out. I think I left, actually, and went to Indiana. But uh, it's always been a dream job. Wow. Well, we'll end it on this, Dan. Uh, if we do get around to playing college basketball, just a, a sneak preview of the new season. A lot of times – uh, it's round up the usual suspects, but there are several clubs out there that really do seem to be loaded. Uh, and I guess you got to start with like Villanova, Baylor, uh, right at the top. Uh, what say you about uh, the upcoming season? What catches your fancy? Well, the thing that I'm thinking about is August 3rd when guys got to right or not, you know, and right. Villanova gets their guys back. And I think you're absolutely right. I think Baylor. You know, you think about Baylor. Baylor's got a loaded team, but they've recruited out of their mind. And I'll, I'll throw Michigan State in there if both Aaron Henry and Xavier Tillman come back. I mean, if those two guys come back, I know – and Rocket Watts, excuse me. I know they lose Cassius Winston, but there aren't a lot of teams that have more than Izzo. And then, on top of it, Izzo's recruited like a monster. But I do think this. I, I do think that it's going to be influenced uh, over the next, you know, week. I, I also – I'm also curious about a couple of things, like Dayton. Dayton, to me, with Obi Toppin, uh, had a chance, you know, to be a one or two seed, had a chance to play for a national championship many times. And I, and I think this to be true with Dayton because Dayton is a school, a lot like Creighton, that has an incredible fan base, incredible history. Uh, I'm going to be surprised if both of those teams aren't back in the top 15. I'm not going to say top, t- top 10 maybe for Creighton, at least coming back, but I, I'm really curious about teams like that. I, I, I really am. And I'm also curious um, about some of the teams uh, in the Big East. Like, I, like to me, Butler. Butler's right here in our hometown. They, they have a couple grad transfers uh, coming in. We mentioned Villanova. You know, it, one of the things that I'm fascinated by at my age is St. John's. 
Mm. When I was coming up, you know, Mullen was my my eight, Walter Berry, those guys, they they were great, right? And I'm always curious. I always say before every year, I want to see what the hell St. John's does. They never don't. They never do. So, <laughs> <laughs> and the last thing, uh, and this is a bad part of it, I am curious what happens um, on the bad side of college basketball with with what's going to happen at Arizona and what's going to happen at LSU uh, relative, you know, to the things that happen in the federal court and then. Uh, with the coaches I, I don't that's definitely not over it's definitely coming down the pike here first week in August and I'm curious what's going to happen with those two places and Kansas as well I got to throw Kansas in there too it's a 52 week a year deal now <laughs> we used to come to the end of July and it was vacation time camps were done school hadn't started can't relax now it just goes 24 7 Dan we could talk for hours thank you Brother, this was great, and and thanks uh, what you do for Naismith. It's very important to us that you vote for us and you're involved, and and uh, we thank you for that. And uh, all the best, buddy. Thanks for doing this. You too. Thanks for having me on, Bobby. I appreciate it, man. Good seeing you. That's going to do it for this week. If you haven't already, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and a review. It means so much. Your support, it makes a trophy life possible. And the feedback only goes to help us improve the show. So take a quick second to do that for us, and we would really appreciate it. This week's A Trophy Life brought to you by Warner, the number one pro ladder, and, of course, our title sponsor of the Warner Ladder Naismith Coach of the Year Awards. Learn more at Warner, that's W-E-R-N-E-R-C-O dot com, warnerco.com. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for joining us. Stay safe, stay healthy out there. And we'll see you next week. Bob Rathbun from Atlanta. So long.